The story of Scripture is one of a unfolding story. It continues to grow in how we receive it. It continues to grow in its depth. And all along the way, we are meant to see how God has been working everything together so that we would come to a fuller and greater and deeper knowledge of what He wants us to know, primarily, that life is in His Son. And so as we look at this morning from Mark 14 again, we will see that the story continues to unfold. This morning we'll be reading from verses 22 through 31 of Mark chapter 14. There we read this. As they were eating, he took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when, he had, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. This is part of that unfolding story that we have been following along here as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus. And now as we come to that ending time of His ministry on earth, uh, we begin to see a little bit more of the picture. Uh, when He finished His public ministry, he, he gathered together and there was a woman that came in. You remember that? that came in and anointed him with this expensive perfume and she was preparing him for death. And while there were some that were indignant about the waste of that, um, what she did would be something that people would remember throughout time. And we still remember that. We still preach about that. We still read about that and ponder that. That somebody would prepare Jesus for death. In the midst of all that, even one of his disciples, as we looked at last week, uh, was going to make a grievous error and betray Jesus. And that story continues to unfold as well. Here, when we get to this story, uh, Jesus is helping his, un his disciples understand uh, more about forgiveness and more about the righteousness that He wants them to see. This is a, a very familiar time for them as they would sit down for a Passover meal. They had done this uh, growing up in their own lives um, on a regular basis. And they've 
very likely, not that it's been recorded, but very likely they would have done this already with Jesus, which is why they said, where, where will we go this time to prepare for the Passover? This was a familiar time for them. This is a time where they would think about uh, what they have grown up with. But this time Jesus is going to take this particular meal, this Passover meal, and he's going to bring it about in a different way. He's going to talk about uh, the blood that is given to them. Hebrews, Hebrews uh, talks about that. Uh, while they were familiar with the, the blood sacrifice that Moses uh, showed them, this is going to be a, a different way of thinking about it. And the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 9. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats and water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, it says, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And, something that they all understood, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. They knew from, from growing up and hearing of all the, all the uh, writings of Moses that uh, a blood sacrifice needed to take place. And they would recall that in the Passover meal, the blood that was shed and placed on the doorpost so that they would be spared from that. And Jesus recalls in this uh, giving of this new meal, uh, reminds them of the blood. And that he's speaking to them, showing them about forgiveness to be covered over, to be protected from death. And so while they're at this uh, familiar meal, he, he does this with a, a new twist. While the meal and the setting is very familiar, he's going to speak about things in a different way. It's not an animal sacrifice that he's going to refer to as what brings forgiveness. He says to them, this is my body. While we know him as the Passover lamb, he doesn't use meat as the symbol of his body. He uses bread. And so he has all of these different elements there before them. He has, he has the bread and the cup. He's reminding of them of, of the meal that they would take. And he would remind them too of what the blood means as they would all take from the cup and drink of it. They would be reminded that blood was necessary for any forgiveness of sin. Actually, that story has its roots all the way back to the garden where the covering of Adam and Eve by God Himself needed to happen after an animal was sacrificed and the blood was shed so that their sins could be covered. And God keeps advancing the story through Moses and now Jesus is going to take that and He's going to uh, bring about a, a fuller and deeper understanding of what He's talking about. Not, a, not an animal this time would be given, but His own body, Himself. He would give Himself for them. He would be the one to pay the price. And He gives them bread 
instead of meat. After the feeding of the 5,000, you remember that story. There was the feeding of the 5,000. Later on, there was the feeding of the 4,000. You remember maybe that uh, in that story, after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowds came to him again. They kept following Jesus around. Uh, It's good on one hand, but but Jesus kind of points out uh, a little tidbit about why they follow him. John gives this account in chapter 6 of his gospel. Uh, When the crowds came to him again, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Did they know that he only had five loaves? Did they, did they witness the, the miracle of what he was doing there uh, for them? Is it, be, is it because of what they experienced in what Jesus did? Maybe they knew that, but they're not coming again because of the signs and wonders that he did. He said, but because you ate, you're fill of the loaves. You're coming again because your stomachs are growling. He says, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. This is, again, just after the feeding of the 5,000. For on him, the Son of Man, God the Father has set his seal. They said to him, what, what, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Maybe they missed it the first time. What work do you perform, they said? Our fathers, our fathers ate manna in the, in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. We had manna from heaven. God gave us that as a, as a way to show his power. What sign do you give, he says. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. And so they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Much like the woman at the well. If you've got living water, I want that stuff. People too, if you've got this bread that gives life, we want that. And Jesus said to them, I am. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is already uh, already at this story, prior to where we're at, he's been talking about the bread. And, and maybe you've noticed too that when, when in, the, in the story of both the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, when he got the bread, he took it, he took the bread, and he, and he broke it. He said a prayer and he broke the bread and he gave it to them. He did that when he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. Kind of a primer for what he was about to do here with his disciples. And so he does the same thing. He, he sits down with his disciples and he breaks the bread and he prays and he, he distributes it to all of them in the same way with the cup. Going back to the cup, uh, Luke Luke says in his account, the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Luke makes sure he adds that this is a new covenant, not, not like the old covenant, 
Um, Mark has that implied here. It's not that he didn't know that it was a new covenant. It was, it was understood. Uh, Luke makes it very clear that the cup that's being given is a new covenant, Jesus said, in my blood. And while they had that sacrificial system in the Old Testament to uh, forgive their sins and to cover them with righteousness, uh, Jesus is doing it in a different way. Um, where they did have faith in that, Jesus was going to bring about a new covenant, a better one, a more permanent one, an actually permanent one, not just more permanent, not just hopefully this one will last. This one will be a permanent covenant and it will be in His blood. In doing so, Jesus makes a very intimate connection with those that would follow Him. Whereas it was before the, the blood of bulls and goats, uh, now He is giving Himself as the sacrifice. He is pouring out His own blood so that they will be intimately connected to the one who is sacrificed for them. There was no intimate connection with the bull or the lamb. or the. There was no connection there. In fact, they got so lazy about their sacrifices, they wouldn't always choose a, a, a spotless lamb, an unblemished creature. They would save the good one, and here, let's sacrifice that one. There was no intimate connection with the sacrifice. They did put their faith in the sacrifice that it would cover their sins, but now there's going to be this, this deep and intimate connection. Uh, we're now joined with Christ by His sacrifice. Or may, maybe, maybe it would be better to say it this way, He's now joined with us. It, it is truly that uh, two-sided equation. We, we, we join ourselves with Christ in His sacrifice, and in His sacrifice, He joins uh, with us. And that's, that's very intentional, where Jesus wants to um, be a part, a, a, a deep and lasting part of His disciples. But that, that goes back to, again, um, the next part of, of where we're at here, Jesus, Jesus said, uh, much like, much like at, the, at the preparation where Jesus said, one of you will betray me, now when they're sitting down for the meal, uh, as, we're, as they're taking the bread and as they're drinking of the cup, He says, you all are going to fall away. Not one of you, but all of you. And as shocking as it was the first time to hear of a betrayer. It had to be a slap in the face when Jesus would say, you are all going to fall away. Every one of them. It, it's actually uh, still so deeply rooted in our nature to do so. You and I maybe would like to uh, think of ourselves as sitting there uh, reclining at the table with Jesus uh, thinking about uh, the shedding of blood and the forgiveness and everything and, and Jesus uh, bringing this to our, our attention that this is going to be a new covenant in my blood and, and maybe while we don't understand that yet, we're kind of excited about this, this new covenant relationship. And maybe we would think, I've got a pretty good grasp on this. I'm really excited about this. And so when He says, you all will fall away on account of Me, maybe... 
we would be kind of like Peter. Well, not me. Maybe they were thinking in their minds like they were thinking before. Surely not I. I would not do that. I wouldn't fall away. I've been growing in my faith. I'm not prone to those kinds of failings anymore. Except we are. I would love to be the one that could sit at the table and think that I could do that, but I know myself. And, and what Jesus is about to face and the, the journey that he would take his disciples along with, it's going to be a difficult one where, where their association, that, that intimate connection with Jesus is going to come into question. And do you really want to stay connected to Him when He's about to lose His life? I would probably shrink back. I know I would. If I was there at that time, I would be saying the same thing with them. Surely not I. I, I wouldn't do that. Peter, Peter gets so uh, bold about it, speaking as the uh, spokesperson for the whole group. Emphatically, he says... Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And yet, Jesus has already made it very clear that that is going to happen. When the shepherd is struck, the sheep will scatter. When when something's wrong with the shepherd, the sheep are are lost. They begin to wander away. It's just the nature of sheep. Sheep. Jesus knows this and He recalls that from Zechariah's prophecy that this is going to happen. Jesus doesn't make these things up as He goes. He's reminding them of what will be just as certainly as Judas was going to be the one. It is just as certain that they are all going to fall away. They will all scatter once the shepherd is struck. Peter disagrees. Peter has this way of of, uh, challenging his Lord, which is still maybe an oxymoron. If he is your Lord, he's always right, and he has mastery over you. But for Peter to say in a rebuke to Jesus, as a rebuttal to what he has said as a surety, Not only in the prophecy, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, but you, Peter, will deny me three times before the rooster crows. No way! No way! It's not going to happen. As if somehow Jesus is wrong. It's just in our nature. It's still this fallen, broken part of us that can't seem to get it right. But, Because this is a new covenant. Because what Jesus is doing here at the table with His disciples, it's a new covenant. There is going to be something different about it. Whereas the the people of Israel would always come for the Passover meal, and they would go through the ritual of things, and when they would sacrifice the Passover lamb, and when they would do these things, and when they would bring a sacrifice and shed the blood and sprinkle it, and they would know then that they have been forgiven. Um, 
that pattern kept repeating. And not only was there the shedding of blood for the people's sins, but the one who was sacrificing also had to come and and shed blood of an animal so that his sins would be forgiven so that he could administer this to the people. This now is going to be a new covenant. And God himself in the form of Jesus Christ the man was going to bring about a, a new covenant, a new way for them to be able to finally succeed eventually in what Jesus calls them to do. But but there's still this tendency to fall away. But in the midst of that, Jesus makes that claim that this is a new covenant. Something very different from the way that they always understood it before. Because of that intimate connection with Jesus, um, that, that purpose of His cannot be broken for the one who truly believes. Jesus, I, I, I found this interesting too. Peter, Peter says this so powerfully, so strongly, so surely, he thinks. Uh, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. But, but in reality, as, as time unfolds after this yet and you see what's about to happen... Uh, that kind of gets flipped around on its head. And Jesus could have just as well said, uh, even though you deny me, you will die with me. Even though you think you're not going to fail at this, you will. But even though you die, even though you deny me, you are going to die with me. And that's that intimate connection that's being built here. As we have life in Christ, as we connect ourselves to Jesus, as we follow the rabbi, our lives are intimately connected in Him. And so as He dies, we die. And so we have to come to that place. Peter would have to come to that place where he has to recognize that uh, I need to die to myself. He needs to die to the idea that he has a better answer than what Jesus gave. And instead of rebuking Jesus, maybe a, a better response would have been, but Lord, if I deny you, would you still save me? Would you still redeem me? If that's going to be true, Jesus, is there still any hope for me? And there is. There is such great hope yet in this story. They don't recognize yet what's about to happen. They don't really realize how intimately connected they are with Jesus. And they don't realize yet that even in the midst of falling away, there is a hope for them. There was a, there was a short little tidbit, a little nugget that's still left in the story. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. You're all going to fall away. All of them would deny Him. But Jesus rather quietly says, but 
after I am raised up, once death is conquered, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus knows that their falling away isn't going to undo them. The betrayal of Judas was going to be his end. The one that would just as emphatically deny any relationship at all, ever, with Jesus, he would be lost. The disciples, on the other hand, according to Jesus, would all stumble and fall when pressure got too great, even though they held on to that faith. He says, after all of this, I'm going to go ahead of you to Galilee. There's a meeting that he already has determined for them. He doesn't say anything about it here. He just says, I'm going ahead of you. Much like uh, from last week when they said, where should we go and prepare? And Jesus said, oh, well, we'll do this. I'm, I'm already working that out. That same thing is worked over here in this time. You will all fall away. You and I have all fallen away. But Jesus continues to go ahead of us. He has a purpose yet. The, the new covenant that Jesus is putting into place here is one that is going to be so powerful that even though we fall in our faith, He will raise us back up again with Him. And even though we die with Him, we will also be raised up with Him. And He says... When I'm raised up, I'm going to meet you guys in Galilee. What he's going to do for them in Galilee will be incredible for them. He only mentions it here. And that encounter is yet to happen. It will actually be told again that it's going to happen. And so we have that confidence that just as much as Jesus said it would happen once and it's repeated again, it is going to happen. There is no doubting Jesus, even though some would. Some would rebuke. All would fall away. It doesn't change Jesus' word or authority. And so in this place where, where death and denial meet, where where. Uh, Peter and the rest of them all think they're, they're far too strong to ever deny, but they are strong enough to die with Him. Jesus would turn that upside down. And even though they do deny Him, they will die with Him and be raised with Him. And He has a plan for them yet. And the story will continue to unfold. Because Jesus is not done with His disciples. Even though they would all fall away. To join me in prayer. Jesus, this new covenant, a lasting, permanent, powerful covenant is one that we find ourselves engaged in. And we recognize that we still do stumble and fall. But we recognize too that there is something different about this covenant and even though You are not with us anymore in the flesh here on earth, we have Your very Spirit living within us to strengthen us for those times that we would fall and You would still raise us up and You would still build us back up and restore us. And 
in the same way that you have a plan for the disciples yet to be revealed. Uh, You have a plan for us. In fact, it has been revealed to us already. You have already uh, given us insight into what they would experience there. And so, Jesus, remind us again of the mission You have for us. And keep us from falling. Strengthen us when we would be tempted to deny You. And may we once again die to self and take up our cross and follow You as well. Strengthen us, Jesus, by the power of the Spirit that lives within us so that we may, um, in that same way, um, meet You once again in Galilee to see what You have in store for us. And may we look for it and wait for it with anticipation and intention to do whatever You would call us to do in the same way that You met with the disciples then and showed them the way. Um, meet with us again. Remind us again of what is coming and what our mission is. And may we be found faithful and fruitful in it. In your most holy name, amen.